great. But here's what he did. Rhyme it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Oh, please just rhyme it. And he really gets into it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Yes, of course. We will you don't even have to think about it. So let's rhyme it today. Rhyme it. Yes. We are going to rhyme it. Just that's where he just after Ooh, ran down. Everybody, amazing! I'm not gonna remember any of it. That's good. That's the way to go. All over the Rams today and Rammy. I mean, now he's like on his feet. How are you guys? Who's house? Wow. Rammy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Rams Brothers. I'm your host, Dean, and I'm joined, as always, by my brother and the other fantastic host of this show, Nick. And Nick, we're back to 500. We're six and six. You were in the building yesterday for the Rams' home win against the Cleveland Browns. First and most importantly, how are you, my good brother? And how the hell was the game yesterday? Awesome game. Awesome environment. Great fans. Tailgating was super fun. Um, Browns fans also, shout out to them. They were pretty fun and cordial the whole time. Uh, I'm a little tired because all day was just all Rams day. But it was so great. So, and, you know, the energy in there was really was was bumping. And, you, you know, sometimes you don't get that, but we definitely got it this week. Yeah. You know what I heard was was really interesting. The hard counts. Right. So Matthew Stafford was able to get his cadence down. There were no silent counts. The fans were working to his to his favor. Right. They had everything that they needed in terms of a home field advantage in this game. I was hearing 80, 20 Rams fans, which I mean, that's awesome. You know, it's, yeah. it's not a direct rival it's not an nfc rival it's an afc team that doesn't travel well when they go over to the west coast the rams have a solid record against them over the last what 10 12 years or so and joe flacco was making his first start it's the fourth different starting quarterback for the cleveland browns and i think it goes to show how solid that defense has been all season the fact that they've been able to play four different starting quarterbacks and still be seven and five at this point in the season so not an easy task for this rams team whatsoever we came into this game, we were thinking to ourselves, all right, we got to do a heavy dose of run. We need Kyron Williams. We need him on the duo. We need him inside. If we're going to be yeah. able to stretch the outside, it's going to be on opportunities like a 90 flip. Nick, you were talking about pitches in the last episode. Be able to get him around the edges. But that wasn't the diagnosis in this game. No, they let Matthew Stafford throw it, and they and they let him throw it early and often. And they had some explosives to Puka Nakua, who is just growing up before our eyes and becoming a Rams legend before everybody's eyes. And it's it's – Offensive line's playing great. It's so encouraging to see how far this team has come over the last three weeks. It felt like just straight run plays were 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 negative or one yards. So like early on in the game, it was like we're gonna have to ask Stafford to, you know, to throw to throw not even that deep, but just like you know, it's like quick quick out routes to get um to get like some momentum going, and then that first Puka uh, touchdown. I mean, like part of me wants to take a chill pill after that win because it was against <laughs> Joe Flacco's Browns. You know what I mean? But then another part of me is like everybody else that beat the Browns, which isn't that many people um, also went up against this like, you know, ferocious defense and like a backup quarterback or like Deshaun Watson who played like a backup right. this year. So like I, you know, I, I was walking back to like to the car and I, and I was just like, no, like that's a real win. That's a real win against the playoff team and it's three in a row. Like it's, it's, it is every, you have every right to be celebrating right now. It's annoying that, yep. Thank you for pulling this up. It's annoying that the green Bay Packers had to win last night uh, over the chiefs 
and stay in this in, in this playoff picture because everything else we predicted happened and the Rams, you know, should be in that seventh seed. But the Packers, credit where credit is due, played a great game against the Chiefs. Yeah, you just have to worry about Seattle, Minnesota, Green Bay at this point, right? Seattle because you're not nine. Yeah, you're not, not going to They went all the way down to the ninth seed. Yeah, I mean, that's they're six and six. Rams are also six and six in the eighth seed, one game behind Green Bay. And then there's the Packers there in the seventh seed. They own the tiebreaker between the Rams and, and the Packers, obviously. And then there's the Vikings at six and six. And Dallas is nine and three. So, uh, you know, you're coming off of that Dallas week three weeks ago and you're thinking to yourself, you lose by a combined 40 points to Dallas and Green Bay. But you go into that Dallas week, what, you were three and four with legitimate hope? And then you you lost two in a row, brought you to three and six. Fans are legitimately turning on this team at this point, right? They they want them to lose the remainder of the games, get a higher draft pick. And it's completely understandable when you lose those two games in Dallas and Green Bay by a combined 40 points. When you're three and four with legitimate hope going into the Dallas week, and then you fall on your face in that regard, it, it doesn't, there's no encouragement. You know, you're thinking to yourself, all right, what is the tank actually in place? But when they're persistent, in their approach, and they were all offseason, going all the way back to training camp. When the rookies were arriving on those those team buses and nobody knew everybody's name and everybody needed a nameplate, and Sean McVay was walking around with swagger, and the line that came out of that whole preseason rebuilding, retooling saga was, if we're not going to be good, there's not a lot of people in this building who know it. Like that, That is kind of the basis of this Rams football team is they're, they're good enough because they put together – persistent plans in the offseason to develop their, these young core, uh, these young rookies, and even defensively, like you knew that they were going to be an inexpensive unit holistically. It was going to be led by Aaron Donald, and you were going to need Kobe Turner to contribute. You're going to need Byron Young to contribute, and guys like Akello Witherspoon, uh, free agents. Like there's so many different opportunities that the Rams needed to, to hit on. And this is an incredible job by the player personnel staff, by Les Snead. And it's a great coaching job by Sean McVay, who likely isn't going to get the credit that he deserves for coach of the year. So no, that's, and, that's you know, how much we've turned it around in three weeks. Raheem too, who everybody was ready to fire last year and then fire the beginning of this year too, has called three great defensive games in a row. Um, so yeah. Against like you know the Rams looked like the more formidable defense against like historically this is like one of the greatest defenses in the Browns in like the Super Bowl era. Um, it's funny though because I was talking to Browns fans and they're like, yeah, everybody says that and the stats say that, but I watch these games and it does not feel that way at all. And <laughs> it, it it you know it kind of felt that way for the big part of the game last year. All the Rams really needed though was a defensive turnover to turn the game around. Yeah, I and mean, so that that's what you talk. I mean, it's perfect example of the last three opponents: sixteen points Seattle, fourteen points Arizona, then nineteen points the Cleveland Browns. Being able to finally get some defensive points on the board in the one of the last plays of the game on Joe Flacco when he was sacked back into the end zone. It was their first defensive points of the season. This is via JB Long came on the safety in the closing seconds of the Week Three win over the Browns. Aaron Donald and Kobe Turner left the field arm in arm. LA has run won three in a row and get back to five hundred. 36 to 19 victory. And here's Aaron Donald and Kobe Turner arm in arm, skipping down the field, celebrating how incredibly efficient the defense was down the stretch. Raheem Morris deserves a ton of credit. And then here's Chris Long. He came out and said, a couple of weeks ago, Joe Flacco was chilling by the fire watching ball. Now he's getting sacked into the goalposts on fourth and 34 by Aaron Donald. That is a rude awakening. Welcome back to the NFL. He was clean, yeah. held upright the entire game. And then on fourth and 34, he's left on the under the end under the goal line so that's 
as good as you want your defense to play against an offense like that. So I, I mean, with Amari Cooper going out, the, the Browns too. I mean, like they were banged up. So you, you can't talk about this game without talking about Miles Garrett being banged up and Denzel Ward. But Amari Cooper, like that was clearly Joe Flacco's first read. Yeah, on, through all time. of his progressions. It was his primary target. Amari Cooper was really vocal throughout the week about how he loved Joe Flacco. It was poetry in motion in practice. And then it, it kind of comes to fruition once Amari Cooper comes out of the game that the offense can't push the ball. For three quarters, Joe, Joe Flacco played really good football, I thought. Sure did. I mean, like, I, <laughs> there, it was mistake-free. He was making like tight window throws. He had like some sidearm throws. And he was doing everything to like keep them in the game. It, it gave them the first lead, uh, seven nothing, which is when I live bet the Rams. By the way, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like I was impressed, and I was thinking, I was like, this is kind of what the Browns need. Like you know, put them up against you know maybe like a less formidable foe than the Rams, and they probably win a lot of those games with Joe Flacco as opposed to PJ Walker. But then you know they ask him to throw a deep out route just down the seam. And it's in the double coverage, and John Johnson ends up making the the game winning interception, um, which honestly should have really just been like a punt. But yeah. you know, because he's John Johnson, and the offense of the Browns kind of gave up. Like he was able to get into like essentially the red zone. After yeah, had an game. incredible return on that interception. Yeah, so also. like that return is really what won the Rams the game after it's all said and done. And that's you know, like the pick obviously is on Flacco, but. Yeah, you made an interesting point. Bring down John Johnson. You made an interesting point. John Johnson was talking smack all week to his former team. Obviously, used to play for the Cleveland Browns. They gave him a huge contract after he left Los Angeles. So that was a pretty fulfilling moment, I could imagine, for him. But you made a really good point in terms of that first possession when you live bet the Rams. Their opening possession, in terms of their defense, they allow the offense to march down the field. It seems like it's a consistent theme with this defense. It's very odd the fact that it happens this consistently. But it's the fifth time this season that it's happened. Four of the last five games, with the exception of the Packers game, which, I mean, it's hard to even like conceptualize how frequently that's happening. But it's like they're diagnosing in real time how they want to be able to adjust their defense later on in the game. So I have no issues with it. I mean, Dallas, Seattle, Arizona, and Cleveland all scored on their opening possession. And then their total yards throughout each possession, on average, continues to drop throughout the remainder of the game. And then if the Rams are able to force a turnover, you know that, that the game is going to bounce in favor of the Rams. So They all like that, have responded the last two weeks when that's happened. They've gone down yeah. and scored immediately so to like tie it up. And then after that, the defense kind of comes out and makes a stop. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, some, some really good uh, three and outs. And that, I mean, that first Puka touchdown, like, oh, my God, like right across yeah. the middle of the field, see ya. Like I, so, third fastest ball carrier via next gen stats. We saw DK Metcalf on Thursday night, just a stallion down the middle. Yeah, of the you field. know what? It was a similar type play. It was the same type play. Puka Nakua yeah. was like a fraction slower than DK Metcalf, who was a you know track sprinter, incredible athlete. Puka Nakua is a fifth round pick. You don't expect him to be able to have that kind of short area speed, quickness to be able to then you know separate himself and get down the field. But Cooper Cup has the same same assets and same skill sets. Like that's why they're so incredible to watch. And you're watching this kid grow up right in front of your eyes. It's his Puka Nakua's third game with 150 scrimmage yards this season. It's tied most by a rookie wide receiver since 1969 with Jamar Chase and Randy Moss. That's how good Puka Nakua is right now. I wanted to make sure that we emphasized 
Puka Nakua's current trajectory and where we think he's going to net out on the season because 77 receptions for 1,029 yards and four touchdowns this season as a rookie, he's going to be very, very soon in the same company as a few of these modern-day greats. Like you're talking about Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and Quan Bolden all had more than 1,300 yards. Randy Moss, 1,300 yards. Odell Beckham, 1,300 yards. You're talking about maybe three, four more games for Puka Nakua to enter some of the most elite company in NFL history in terms of rookie wide receivers. He is playing that well. And not to mention, he got knocked out of the game. He came off the field crying because he hurt his ribs. And whatever kind of rehab he got at halftime, he came out an incredibly efficient block to spring Kyron free on a run in the beginning of the second half. And he continuously plays unbelievably aggressive. He's He's where he needs to be on the field. He knows exactly what he's doing, and he's growing up in front of our eyes. Can't say enough I mean, good things about him. It, absolutely. He's definitely still young. I feel like he's still good for, like, one drop a game. After yeah. he got completely knocked out of the game, um, I think it was maybe, like, the first or the second drive that we had in the second half, he misses, like, a third down catch. Yep. But, I mean, still, he's, like, jumping up and contorting his entire body to, like, potentially catch this ball and bring it in inbounds. Um, but, I mean – He's like on the path of being like 2021 cup right now, which is, which is crazy to say, like if you were to say that in the beginning of the year, but it's true. Like he, he doesn't, he, yeah, he doesn't have the touchdowns, but he has the targets. He has the receptions, yeah. he has the yardage. If he were to play another 10 games in this season, <laughs> there's no yeah, telling. Hey, he had the, he had the touchdown this week, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's what I'm saying is Cooper Cup had like an unfair 21-game sample size of greatness. He went over 2,100 yeah, yards. He had like 20 touchdowns total in that 2021 season. Triple crown winner, Super Bowl MVP. It's almost the most untouchable season that a wide receiver will ever have in the history of football. So yeah, that and, they, like, and, you know, it's so funny. It's just, I, you know, I'm bringing up like greatest wide receiver seasons at tailgates, which you do, you know, just like typical fodder right. conversation. And yeah, you know, I bring up Cooper Cup, and everyone's like, "Ah, oh, yeah." It's like it's like, all right, like I get it. He's not like Tyreek Hill. He's not like the most athletic guy, but sure. damn, like he had maybe the best wide receiver season ever. He did, yeah. Statistically, had the greatest wide receiver season ever. And yeah, he's a little banged up, and there's probably a little bit of concern with the Rams' receiving core, right? Because Tutu Atwell and Demarcus Robinson are rotating consistently at the X. Maybe Demarcus Robinson is a little bit more valuable in the run game, but you saw him get a few targets down the stretch, had a touchdown. You saw Cooper Cup get involved in the end zone too. So I feel like they're doing a really solid job of distributing the rock. But yeah, I mean, if there's a little bit of concern around Cooper Cup, A, he's unhealthy, and B, Puka Nakua is so valuable that he's able to take the stress and pressure off of Cooper Cup, which is what everybody in the offseason wanted. Remember how afraid we were that Matthew Stafford was going to consistently target Cooper Cup 15, 20 times a game? He was going to re-aggravate an injury, and that was going to be what the Rams' offense had to offer? Not even close. They revamped yeah. the running game. They've gotten so many different receivers involved. Matthew Stafford over the last three weeks, 3-0, 698 yards, eight touchdowns, two picks, a 101.8 rating, and he is very much heating up at the right time with a still a sprained UCL in his thumb. Seems like it's coming back. He's throwing the football really well. Had a couple of misses, a yeah, couple, couple opportunities in the red zone where he almost yeah. threw an interception. And then I think he missed, I don't know if it was before the first half was expiring. He had one over Puka Nakua's shoulder that he probably could have dropped in for a touchdown. And then I think he missed on two, two, a throw to Tutu Atwell also. Missed on like an easy, um, like just 
two step back dump off to Higby too, like just kind of threw the ball into the ground. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> How'd that happen? Dead play. Yeah. Most likely didn't like what was what Higby was gonna see in front of him potentially, or he was getting pressured. So I, I don't know. I mean, he's, he is. Um, I mean, as as good as you could you could want him to be. I think at this point in his career, he's I think, incredibly I, efficient. I, but I think it's it's also really important that you bring up the guys that are protecting him, right? Because mm. zero sacks allowed in back to back weeks. I can't recall the last time that happened. I don't even know if that happened in twenty twenty one. To be honest with you. I mean, against, against the Browns, like, what the hell? Like, Miles Garrett, I think, was on a six-game sack streak going into this. Uh, yeah, and that's where everybody's asking themselves, like, how bad is the injury? Because he only had, I think, one pressure on 42 uh, attempts in the week prior. And then in this game, he didn't record a single stat. He played a season-high 89% of snaps and did not record a single stat in this game. Like, that is an incredible job. By Alaric Jackson, an undrafted player, willingly plays left tackle. And then obviously as Steve Avila and Coleman Shelton's playing really well at center and Kevin Dotson, an incredible move by Lester P. Sneed and Rob Havenstein is probably the most foundational, solid, consistent piece that the Rams have had outside of Aaron Donald over the last eight years. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm just really, really impressed with the last three weeks. And I think that this team, we talked about, what our expectations were prior to the season starting. We were like nine wins, 10 wins, potentially get a seventh seed in the playoffs, get maybe get the sixth seed. This I, team doesn't know that they're going to be bad. Like that was the all basic. the Rams fans out there. So everybody listening, and I guess my friends and Dean's friends that aren't Rams fans that just listen as well. Um, don't worry about next week. Obviously, if you're a player, go in there and try to kick the Ravens' ass and, and, and make a real statement. But look at the schedule after that. I mean, it's Washington, it's New Orleans, it's New York, and then it's San Francisco who might not even need it. So there's a road map to 10 wins, 100%. We had to split against the Browns and the Ravens, and, and we got one. Yeah, we, we sure did. I totally 100% agree with don't worry about next week. It's an AFC opponent. The schedule eases up, eases up. But then I'm, I'm also kind of concerned about the fact that San Francisco just beat Philly. So I don't know. San Francisco is probably still going to be contending for that number one seed because I feel like the Eagles and Niners are going to go down to the very last game of the season, potentially with the Cowboys. Eagles are going to drop. Nine and drop or the Lions, rather, who are nine and three. Yeah. So, damn. Well, hey, you know, I mean, if we have to beat San Francisco to get in the playoffs, so be it. I mean, that would be, <laughs> so be a, that would be Play an amazing. Knock them out of the first seed. That would be incredible, right? Yeah. Force and them to have and, and, and then we play them the following week and lose, maybe. <laughs> totally fine. At least we we force them to, to get a little bit more banged up, to be physical. They played them tough earlier on in the season. If you play them in back-to-back weeks, I would think that's discouraging for a San Francisco team who wrote you off earlier on in the season. So, yeah. And hey, we put, we actually put up a really good fight against them. But let me just say one more thing about Stafford and this offensive line to yeah. kind of piggyback on what you are saying. Sure. Um, I think he believes with, oh yeah, I mean, just look at the, the, this just shows, this picture right here just shows the true grit of this offensive line and what they were dealing with throughout the day. I think Stafford believes with an offensive line this strong as his bodyguards, he has another run in him. I, I truly believe that that's what he thinks is that he can bring this team to another Super Bowl, NFC championship, whatever. And 
I think next year they're going to make pushes and they're going to make deals and they're going to make things happen where the team gets a little more juiced up and the defense looks a little prettier and, you know, they're going to be competing next year. And I think those people that want to get rid of Stafford and I know that they're a small vocal uh, minority, it's not going to happen. No, no, he's not going anywhere. When he has an offensive line to this caliber with, with I don't know, you don't even want to call it this much talent. But to be able to work together this well with this much continuity in such a short period of time, what it also spawns is Kyron Williams, right? Because a good offensive yeah. line, you could run the ball as efficiently in between the tackles and guards as you want to. And since his return, Kyron Williams has made the offensive line look great. And the offensive line has made Kyron Williams look great. And the offensive line has made Matthew Stafford look great. 37 carries, 231 yards, one touchdown, nine receptions, 85 <laughs> yards, two touchdowns. Those are running back one numbers any way that you stretch him. It's over 300 yards in two weeks, rushing and receiving, three total touchdowns. He's an incredible fantasy player. Sean McVay actually joked that Kyron's on his fantasy team, so they wanted to keep him involved later on in this game. But that outside of fantasy, the fact that the kid has developed as well as he has, you see the idolization behind Steven Jackson and the way that he carries himself, the way that he runs the ball with physicality. Uh, he's got some great finesse. He makes people miss. He is... Um, He's been a dream. Like he has changed the entire dynamic of this offense. And it, it, I'm kind of remiss to not mention him until we're 20 minutes into this episode, but he has been outrageously good since he got back. Yeah. Like insane. It is funny in a way that the 2021 season will stand out as an outlier because they were able to finish the job and win it all without like a really consistent run game. But like, if you look at McVay's career, it's like his best or his better seasons, not his best, but his better seasons are the ones where he has a, like a bell cow back that he can really rely on and allow, you know, to get big chunkage so then he can have these developing pass plays. And this season with Kyron on the field and with him off the field, it's just such a huge difference. And yeah, yeah I mean, 100% running back one, he's probably going to win a couple of people their fantasy league. The fact that they got him in the end zone last week, or uh, yesterday, I should say, like didn't they didn't really even need to, but they but they found a way to get him in there, and it was it was pretty awesome. Well, there was some criticism, like could the Rams have just kneeled down on that? Like my opinion was, yeah, punch the ball in the end zone. Like you got to force the Browns. Browns. To I, score think, I I think that took it over as well, but then they ended up scoring again. So yeah, yeah, thirty six to nineteen. They almost hit the over under alone. The over under yeah. total for the game was thirty nine and a half. The Rams were thirty six points, which is impressive. Um, yeah, I is, saw that line at like um, it, yeah, over under 39 and a half, over under 40. And I was like, that's a Browns line. Like they think the Browns are going to win. And yet the Rams are favored by three and a half, which they were able to cover, which I didn't love all week. But that's why I took a money line when they were down. Because um, I was like, oh, you know, there's, there's a little more extra juice on it now. They were like actually underdogs when they were down seven, nothing. Yeah. So, yeah. This is how good they've been over the last three weeks. And I, th I think they're, you look at some of the NFL teams and the tiers and, and where they net out, you know, this is all four quarters over the last three weeks, weeks 10 to 13. You look at some of the top teams in terms of this axis, it's the Dallas Cowboys. It's the San Francisco 49ers at the top in terms of the two teams that are playing the best uh, in terms of offensive EPA per play. But then you look at the Rams, you look at the Dolphins, the Packers, the Lions, like everybody within this point one to the right of the axis is all playing extremely well football, extremely solid. They're playing tough. 
Um, in terms of efficiency and expected points per attempt, they're they're on top of their game. And I, I think that's a lot to do with coaching. It's a lot to do with the entire team effort. You have some, and you saw with the Packers last night against Kansas City Chiefs, Packers are the youngest team in football, but they have some young, hungry football players that want to be able to get wins at home in front of their home fans because that's what that, that team and that franchise does. Similar to the Rams when they've come back to Los Angeles, you need a winning culture. It's the only way to unite this fan base. You cannot tank and unite a fan base in Los Angeles. It will never, ever happen. Right. I, I also believe that, and I've said this before, when you're not a, you know, elite class of the NFL, a Cowboys, a Niners, and Eagles organization, um, the Rams fans do show up. They show up and they're there. They um, and, and, you know, like uh, maybe they sell their tickets for the for the expensive Raiders games and whatnot. Um, and that's what makes it a little more uneven. But it was an amazing display of Rams fans yesterday. Well, I, unlike one I really haven't seen in a really, really long time. Um, so I yeah, shout out to all the fans and everybody that makes the Rams culture what it is what it is. Also, Taron Killam had this really it was like a new thing where it was like north side versus south side doing like a who's house. And then at the end of it, he's like, all right, guys, we all know who's the strongest. All of us when we're together. And I was like, all right. Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, dude, There's nothing. Do you, brother? Nothing, really not to love. nothing not and then, to love. And then all my friends who I was with was like, isn't that, you know, isn't that the guy that was on the pod? And I was like, you're damn right he was. That's the guy. That's Taron. Spamalot's finest. L.A. Rams, number one celebrity fan, Darren Killam. Yeah, I was curious on third down in this game because the Browns were like 6 of 17 on third down, which is right around the Rams' percentages allowed. But I feel like on third down when we were there for the Philly game, the Eagles fans were so obnoxiously loud on third down opportunities for their own offense. How was the Rams' crowd on third down? Were they loud enough? Were some of the graphics and spectacles that they showed – on the uh, on the Oculus, were they still corny, or are they kind of coming a, lo- a little bit of a long way? Like this is this is interesting because I felt like the vibe from Browns fans was very mellow the entire uh-huh. time. So the Rams, it wasn't like loud when the Rams were driving, unless they did something good, and then the fans would cheer. Um, and then when the Browns were, you know, like in the red zone, I think the Rams fans would like wake up a little bit and like you know try to be like a little louder, but. It was it was mellow. It, it it was pretty mellow the entire day. It was it was also a lot of good defense uh, for most of the day until like the yeah. explosion at the end. Um, but yeah, I mean it, it it was two fan bases that were happy to sit in a stadium together and not you know want to like tear each other's face off. It it was very similar to when you and I went to the Ravens game in Baltimore, and it was just like. Hey, you know, you're an NFC opponent that we never really see. Like, how you doing? You know what I mean? Like, right. there's no real animosity. Nobody was trying to like you know go for us. And no Rams fans were really trying to kill any Browns fans. Hopefully, I I say this now and watch like seven fight clips are gonna find their way on um <laughs> on Twitter. But I mean I didn't see anything and everything I experienced was really positive and fun. But it's also yeah, really easy to, to shake somebody's hand after you lose and be like, Hey, good game. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean I won. Joe Flacco, similar to me, if I was coming into this game, was coming off of South Jersey's finest couch. Like the expectation of the Cleveland Browns fans coming into the stadium, expecting the Browns to come out and and win the game on the road against a team that they historically haven't beaten. 
to me, feels like it's it was wishful thinking. It was an opportunity for a team in the Midwest to be able to kind of travel and get to Los Angeles for a vacation opportunity. But a game like the Raiders, a game like the Eagles, a game like the Steelers, like those are the opportunities for the season ticket holders to probably make money, right? Like that's how you kind of net out your, your season tickets, like throughout the remainder of the season. It's like, okay, if I sell this game, I could pay for my tickets and I could do this and do that. And like that to me makes sense. Yeah. So it was definitely a really, really interesting dynamic. And Ernest Jones post game was talking so highly about the defense. So like that to me is, is just really encouraging the fact that he is the captain, he's the vocal leader, he's the Mike linebacker. And this defense is going to be able to consistently uh, be dominant later on in games, force turnovers, put points on the board and play complimentary football, which is all yeah, we've asked for this season, which is what they did all like yeah. all game. I was incredibly impressive. Um, just, yeah, a great a, great performance by Rams. Giving us Do you want to talk about uh, bringing in a new kicker or what? Are you okay with Habersick? Oh, yeah, yeah. Special teams. The only thing I, I really tweeted about during the game. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think they should try people out. I really do. Um, yeah. I don't, you know, I hate it. I hate when they line up at like the 30 or like the 40 because it's not a guarantee. It's like a 50-50 no. shot. Luke misses another. Um, I don't even think it was that far, right? Was it like no, a, it was a 45 yard attempt or 43 oh, yard attempt that he shanked right? I think he made then, a 44 yarder and then missed a 43 yarder and then almost and then missed an extra point. Almost missed uh, um, like a 20 yarder. Um, yeah, like it, like, yeah, it's just like, too shaky. Oh, yeah, it's way too shaky. And yeah, it's I like mean, when like, you overcompensate in golf, it's like when you shank back to back shots in golf and then you hook one immediately after because you tried to overcompensate for your mistake. That's what yeah, I think they, I, I, I think you have to bring in somebody else because it will eventually yeah. bite you in the ass like it did in the Steelers game. It was like we had the other guy, um, the guy from the Cowboys, Maher. Maher, thank you, who um, you know, kind of was like able to steady the ship like long enough and then all of a sudden yeah, it just completely oh. blew up in, in the Rams' face. And I think that has a real chance of happening again with this Luke kid. Yeah. So I think it's time to, to try out more kickers. Try out some more kickers. You're a serious contending playoff team at this point. You're six and six. You have an opportunity down the stretch to win some big games. Yeah, Stay in the home. Yeah, sure are. Crazy. Crazy. I think our better shot now with what it's watching how Green Bay is surging is Minnesota falling, which sucks yeah. because I like to like it. But yeah. I'd I hope Minnesota falls. If Green Bay continues to surge, then we'll still have that seven seed because Green Bay will take Minnesota's six spot. <laughs> so we appreciate you guys listening. You guys are the best. Make sure before you go anywhere that you Ram it. <laughs> like and subscribe. A lot more fun coming your way for the remainder of this season. Four or five, a lot more fun weeks. Hopefully a playoff week. And we love you guys. Go Rams. Go Rams. Horns up, baby. Peace.